Good evening, Patriots. And today is the end of Monday, May 29th, Memorial Day. And I hope you all had a very blessed and reflective day. It is a day to really reflect a lot about what we have as a nation and what's at stake. And the sense of what has been sacrificed for the values of the nation. And what that means going forward as we awaken to the real principles of the war, warmongers, who they are, what they've done, and yet the valor and the heart of the patriot that has served a nation, not a political cause or manipulation. That's really this day, as I've read a lot around today, more than ever, I've seen people really questioning this day. We're going to talk a lot about that tonight as we move forward. One thing, patriots, we do know is these psychopaths want to control the world. They'll do anything they can, and they've been threatening regularly now a coming blackout. Blackout of the Internet, a blackout of the power grid, lots of things. The World Economic Forum is even running a scenario on it. They're calling like an Internet virus or something that you're going to be forced to shut down the grid. That also could mean EMP. These people will stop at nothing. So what I would recommend is you check out EMPShield.com empshield.com. Right now they're having a Memorial Day sale, which means you can stack discounts as well. So they've got a 10% site-wide discount going on. Plus you can use your Bards code for an additional $50 off, which is really amazing. And these are fantastic products. These are devices that will basically handle the surge of any EMP, level one, two, or three, the different types, which includes solar flare, lightning strikes, and weaponized EMPs, and they've been tested at some of the best labs in the country. It's a great product. I have them on my ATV, my vehicles. I have them on the house, and any. And we're, they also have them available for generators, which I'm going to be getting one for those. So they have an ability to create resilience and redundancy in the system to protect your electronics, which we because we are so dependent on it. Like it or not, that's just the world we live in. So head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your, your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Get $50 off in free shipping, plus right now, site-wide, 10% off. You will not be disappointed. So check it out, and I think you'll be very happy. The links are always below the podcast. Well, Patriots, I think one of the challenges that everyone's facing right now, and I mean this collectively, is that people are struggling with how to honor the veteran, those that do service for the nation, and how to do that in light of an understanding, a greater awareness for what service has been done in our nation. And that's really comes down to our relationship ultimately with ourselves, our heart, our brethren, and what it truly means in the sense of living in a country that has an unbelievable foundation has the values and principles that no nation has ever seen, a nation that is under God, literally, with a contract and charter to be run by the people with government subordinate to the people. That's that's the design. Unfortunately, that gets lost in a lot of the different ways. And as it gets lost, we, we become subordinate to government rather than subordinate to God. And this has created a lot of conflict, especially as people have woke up or have awakened to the greater principles of what we're dealing with right now. And that is this balance, because we do have endless graves across this nation of people that have paid the ultimate price in war, knowing very well that most of these wars were quite literally generated by the banksters and the elites for the sole purpose of degrading a nation and weakening what was the greatest model ever placed in governance on the face of the earth with the whole objective of subjugating and destroying this nation so that it would never rise again and so that hope would be snuffed out for the rest of the world. That's what's at stake right now. And that's what they're trying to do. And within this, as we struggle, which is by design, they're just creating this, these difficult narratives for us to have to struggle with truth while we're trying to struggle with what to do with those that have served. And so I hit on this last hour. I'm going to hit it on again now. That's not a difficult thing unless we make it one. 
We have to start honoring the heart of the person. God asks us to honor the heart, not not the politics. And I, I think this is so, so important right now because it clears things up immensely. John 15, 13 to 14, or just John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that a person will lay down his life for his friends. That's a profound passage. And it's truly what you're dealing with on a whole range of things. We have, not only do we have people in that wore the uniform that have died in wars overseas, but this particular Memorial Day, we also have to recognize those patriots that have given the ultimate cost, those that have been jailed and, and are being held political prisoner, and those that have died by trusting in an institution that they should never have they should never have had to distrust, that used their trust against them to weaponize an, an injection and to kill off literally millions. This is really a challenging, challenging time for us as a nation as we come together. And it's, it's not easy by any means. I, I want to play a short piece. I'm going to play a couple of short pieces tonight. Th- this is a piece, music. It's by Nako and Medicine for the People. It's about two minutes of his longer piece, but he just has a lot of passion for the times that we're in. <laughs> This piece is called Love Letters to God. you can even if your allies draw lines in the sand and dig always dig a little deeper sometimes it's hard to be my brother's keeper love so you let love in baby i am home in the wake of your skin and it's crazy how we wear a ceremony always be open to your path and your journey yes she cradles my loneliness a home in a forest nest Universal test, feel the weight of my love, put your hand on my chest and rest. In the cradle of my arms, the battle that we face is a place where our scars come from. And to pick up the gun, my love, we are destined to teach these ones to be brave and never run away. Courage is birthed from the womb on the first light of day. Yeah, the day you were born, you came out perfect, never meant to be torn in silence. Never been so loud in the violence Never been so proud of a people When we're fighting for a change Not afraid to lose it all Despite all the rage We are animals and we cannot be caged Provoke us to fight so we burn a little stage And write poetry Wiser than the enemy will ever be The minority and authority Are you here to protect or arrest me? I can't tolerate the hate And I'm losing sleep Can't breathe cause they're choking out a war in me Immorality Yeah He really hits the passion of the times that we're in. We are struggling in a fight that every single one of us understands and feels immensely. And this is a fight of betrayal against a heart of a people that seek to have a nation that truly is righteous in its nature, a nation that was given to us in righteousness. And yet, It's been taken over by a hijacked and occupying force known as the United States Corporation or the Corporation of America or the Corporation of the United States. These people have no interest in its people. They have only interest in pilfering and pillaging. And it's every single one of them in Congress. Don't think it's not. This is the heart of the soul of the country we're seeing torn from us. So in these times, in these days like today, This should be a day where, on one hand, it's deeply reflective and reflective in a way that we start to think in terms of what was actually given in blood for this nation. 
not burdening those soldiers and those that did the ultimate sacrifice in whatever uniform they did or whatever heroics they did because the politics were wrong. That, that's, that's outside of everything because the heart of the person doesn't give themselves to politics. At the end of Black Hawk Down, Hoot Wharton, Hoot, which is the guy, Hoot Wharton was the actual operator. And by the way, if you're coming to Bards Fest, Joe Vega, who's going to be speaking Thursday night, close, close friend of mine, he, is on, he was on that team with Hoot, and that scene right there is a combination of Joe Vega and Hoot Wharton. Okay? And I think I've got the last name right, but it's, the point is that Hoot says there, he says, you know, he says, and he goes back home, people ask me, why do you do it? And he says, they'll never understand it. Because I don't do it for politics. I do it because of the man on my right and the man on my left. Patriots, that's the heart of somebody that gives selflessly. The mission's hard. But these people are willing to die for their brother. And when you're willing to lay your life down for your brother, we can, we can look at the war and go, oh, that's evil. But what you can't do is say that's evil for the person that's willing to die for another. The intention of what these soldiers were doing was righteous. And this is why today I've gone through so much of this and I've seen so many comments about people talking about, I'm enraged for the war I was in. I'm enraged for this, what happened in our nation. Or these people served a wrong, a wrong motive. Okay. Reflect carefully on yourself of how many things you have done in your life for this country, like paying taxes, by the way. If you've paid taxes, you have contributed to this monster of a beast as much as anybody. Because taxes are illegal and taxes have been funded, have been used to fund this war. So there is a place here that is essential that we all take a step back. People didn't go to war because of the banksters. And if they did, they're not patriots. And they didn't do it in uniform. Okay, They didn't go to war. They went to war because they, in the framework that they looked at the situation, there was true evil trying to take a threat to this nation. You don't have to agree with the politics, but we need to love the heart. And that's really the place of a loving, forgiving heart in understanding this, because right now all of this is intended to turn us all on our head in such a big way that we forget about our brother. We forget about who we are and we forget about where we come from. Here's another short piece by Nako. Brother, when you're gonna call back your mother, thinks you're sleeping in the gutter. We both know you can do better. And when you're gonna write your older brother a letter, hey man, I miss you, getting my shit together. And for the record, I wrote this note as a reminder. Hermano mio, there's a future you can believe in. Gonna take more than songs of justice and freedom. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. There's a future you can believe in. Gonna take morning song to justice and freedom. Freedom, yeah. If you're thinking about leaving, hold my hand, overstand this too can be your kingdom. Blessed. And when the rain comes, put your hand in the dirt, Baba. This is where you came from. This is where you came from. He has got it so nailed right there is to remember where we came from and in the process, who we are. You know, even at the beginning, he says, brother, you can do better. Of course we can. We all can do better. But in this time right now, we have really have to build the unity of a nation. That's what this day should be about more than ever. And in the building of a unity of a nation, that means we have to look past the things that manipulated us and look towards the things that unite us. God didn't ask us here and put us here to be divided in the body of Christ. God put us here to be united within the body of Christ and to be overcomers, to literally stand up in the mightiness of, of the authorities given to us so that we could push back on this evil and not be manipulated by it. Unfortunately, 
We have succumbed so much to the narratives put upon us that we've lost our way and forgotten who we are. Right now in this day, we are, we are all struggling. We're trying to look at this fight. We look at it too often individually. We take the weight of the world too much upon ourselves. And we forget truly what God gave us and what we have right before us here. Here's a quote. Let me find this just a moment. But it's, there is a, there's a great passage from Moses, and it's, and it's this. And, I, and it came to pass that Moses began to fear exceedingly. And as he began to fear, he saw the bitterness of hell. Nevertheless, calling upon God, he received strength. And he commanded, saying, Depart from me, Satan, for this one God will only will I worship, which is the God of glory. And now Satan began to tremble, and the earth shook, and Moses received strength and called upon God, saying, In the name of the only begotten Depart hence, Satan. We're under a warfare right now that's unprecedented. And every one of us is being besieged, whether you realize it or not. This entire world is being attacked by the most intense demonic assault we've ever imagined. We can write it in terms of revelation and end of days. We can write it in terms of Matthew. We can write it in terms of John. There's all sorts of places we can put this in in scriptural moments. But the fact is, a lot of this were in uncharted territory from the biblical text. People don't like to hear that. They're like, no, 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 it can't be. We have to be here in the text. God has told us not to be forecasting because only he knows the time and the day, uh, time and the hour. So with that understood and understanding that we have authorities, we have to stop wasting our time waiting for the end or looking for the end or trying to figure out where we are, but instead take the wisdom that God gave us within the scripture. And in the wisdom of the scripture comes the number one command that comes from Jesus. Love thy brother, love thy neighbor. We need unity right now, more than ever. And the sacrifices given by those that passed weren't given casually. If someone walks across these graves and sneers at them and says, oh, they were done because of deep state wars, you are no better than those that hate this nation because you don't understand the voices of the dead. Those people now have a mission incomplete. It's like a covenant. And their graves speak of a legacy that we should be trying to fulfill. Not giving up on. Not being frustrated by. Not being overbearing, overburdened by the evil. Do you not think that they were the evil was facing them darkly? Imagine being one when you went in World War II. You went across on a ship... You were gone for several years. There was no internet. There was no phone. If you were lucky, you were able to send a letter. And if it was lucky, the letter got back within a few months. And you could be dead by then. Families often had communication going on that would go blank for months and then suddenly receive a letter only to get a knock at the door sooner, shortly after to get the notice of their loved one's arrival of death. The sacrifices given for this time that we're in are, on one hand, unbelievable, and on another hand, sickening, because a nation, while it has become divided, has turned away from its past. They've turned on the past, in fact, and then also they've turned on God. You know, my, my general statement is shame on anybody that tries to denounce the dead for what they did, simply because now you have a better optic on the problem. That's, that's part of us awakening is to understand the depth of the problem so we don't have to do it again. But we should still have the same ferocity, the same passion, the same righteousness that drives us to now confront this enemy that wants to erase them, wants to erase their legacy, wants to make it impossible for us ever to be a nation again. We have that duty. And that's truly in our Declaration of Independence. You know, this, this crazy world we're in, these crazy people, they have taken the rainbow. And one of the great sins of walking with Christ is pride. So isn't it ironic that while they steal God's rainbow, they tag it as pride? It's not accidental. 
It's intentional. It's mockery in our face. Ezekiel 1.28, as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory and brilliance of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down and heard a voice of one speaking. We just scoff at the rainbow. We look at it. We say, oh, we, we get it thrown in our face. What happened to our intensity like David that comes up and confronts those that use the rainbow with the mightiness of David to say that God will deliver you into my hands? Because we're not living in the, the righteousness that God gave us. We're not living within the authorities that God gave us. And we're being not meek, but we're being weak. It's one thing to be meek. That is the greatness of a warrior. You heard a meek warrior the hour before. And that's Staff Sergeant, I'm sorry, Sergeant First Class retired Corey Terry, who literally is a Special Forces veteran. And he walks that very humble path as a quiet professional. He doesn't need to brandish all that he does or the skills that he has. And he talks about it in a very humble way. That's the essence of a meek warrior, someone who has the capability to do literally mass amounts of destruction, but doesn't see the need to draw the sword, at least not yet. And even then when he does, it's always going to be measured because there's always going to be the consideration of what other consequences will this sword bring before I go crazy and wield it. But we've become weak. And in a country that has sacrificed so much, not only for ourselves, but for others, we're forgetting the legacies of what we are. And this is a legacy that truly, by design, was supposed to be under God's throne. For those peaceniks out there, and even those that are sitting there in, in the perspectives of thinking that, well, no, Jesus said love. You're right. He did say love thy brother and love thy neighbor. But he didn't say stand up or lay down and let evil roll over you. Nothing close to that. Jesus flipped tables. Jesus stepped into the temple and he, and he called out the Pharisees. Jesus had the courage to walk between the accusers and adulterers, accusers armed with rocks, ready to stone the woman. And he simply kneeled down and sketched in the sand and challenged them with the questions as the son of God to rock them to the core. In exposing those that had the stone in their hand, he disarmed them. That's the sword of the spirit. And it was mighty. And as he turned to the woman, his final words to the adulteress, go and sin no more. Where do you ever hear that message in, the, in church? Sin no more? It's taken as an offhanded comment. That is a profound statement coming from the Son of God. That means it's possible is what it means. To live without sin? We're told it's not possible. We're told we can't live without sin. We're told that all of this idea where we're in, that we must be disarmed, we must have peace at any cost. Our churches are not arming us for this fight. And this is a time when we need to be stepping up and stepping together. As we have veterans that are starting to come to the realization of the treachery that our country is now facing, we have others that have been in the trenches, the information warriors, all of you, all of us, those two have a great deal to share and a mutual respect to give. The veteran has one thing to offer. The new veteran, the true those that have been in the trenches still fighting, the warriors of today have something else to offer. And together we create this unbelievable army. And binding us are the authorities given to a God and even bigger, the body of Christ in which we walk in. This day to me is a very different day than it's ever been. And I've seen this so much. I've never seen, like I said, so much reflection on the past and the almost a burden of guilt placed upon us. And I think to myself, wow, yet again, the father of lives strikes. He set the trap and now they're using all the information to destroy the morale the love, the intensity, the passion, the righteousness that made this country. 
So now people feel guilty. I mourn those that have shed blood for this nation. I respect those that have given their ultimate sacrifice for something they truly believed in. And that's a question I ask everybody, even myself. What do you believe in so much you're willing to sacrifice everything to defend? That's what this day is about. This day is not about hot dogs or hamburgers or apple pie, barbecues, none of that. It's irrelevant. This day is truly about a day of reflection and humbleness to who we are as a nation and who we are as a people. This cabal is, by definition, prideful. That's why we're in a pride summer. They're arrogant. They believe that there's no possible way that we can destroy, that they can be destroyed. They think they have us on the ropes. Matter of fact, they're convinced of it. They're convinced that we can't overcome them because they're moving too quickly. Psalm 3, 7. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Our mission is to stand, to be bold, to be fearless. It's not just that it says fear not 365 times for our good health. It's because it is the primary mission of all that we do, knowing that the enemy that is around us surrounds us and will continue to assault us. And God is being gracious. Actually, he's being merciful by reminding us over and over, fear not, my children, for I am with you. And with you through me, we shall be victorious. Christ created the victory. We have to make the victory real on earth. And we're failing there. Consumed by the materialism, consumed by the worries of our financials and 401k, consumed by all the other things that make no difference. I'll tell you the one thing about war that's very real. When you're there, in those moments, bullets are flying, or operations are going, you know that you're in a high-threat environment, you're sure as heck not worrying about your credit card bill. You're worrying about one thing, making sure that those who are with you are going to come home alive. And you're putting yourself in that exact position because when you are focused on those coming home alive, you're willing to put yourself out on the point to make sure that happens. Today's a day I remember people like this. Staff Sergeant Fuga. He was a Samoan, a Samoan-American. He had done two tours back-to-back. He was an embedded trainer. He worked out of the Regional South Command, RC South, out of Kandahar. His commander was Colonel Petrucci, who was a good friend of mine and was a Vietnam veteran. He had intentionally asked to be reactivated to do this one mission. And first time in Pentagon history that they took a retired colonel and reactivated him to go to Afghanistan. Staff Sergeant Fuga was leading a group of Afghan army soldiers. These are foreigners to him. But his job was to mentor and train and advise. So they were in an area that I've been in, over in Panjway. And the Taliban had a heavy assault. And he, he called for a retreat, a pullback. Army doesn't like the word retreat. Called for them to pull back, to rally beyond, back to their, their previous position. And as he looked back, there was a number of them, two or three of them, that were hunkered down in fear as the Taliban were wailing in heavy weapons fire and were coming. Staff Sergeant Fuga raced out and got them, stood them up, gave them the courage. He was a big man. And he led them. And as they were now freed from their fear and moving forward, as they were ahead of him, a round was fired that entered the back of his head, below his helmet and above his body armor, and killed him. 
You see, Staff Sergeant Fuga had taken a third tour. This was his third tour. And the reason he took this tour is because he had finally gotten caught up on his debts from when he'd been paid. And he was saving a bit of extra money so that he could buy a house for his daughter. He gave his life for a group of people he couldn't even speak the language for. But because he cared so deeply about the safety of those that he had mentored and trained, he selflessly gave his life. Do you think politics entered his mind? See, this is what makes America incredibly great. This is what makes, has made our country impressive. You know, in, in 1776, actually before then, so it's about 1770 to about 1775, following the Stamp Acts, which the British put in place, and what had happened is that there was additional taxes and people protested and a lot of things started to happen, like boycotts. But the boycotts were started by a small group of women who decided that they no longer wanted to drink British tea and that they would start making alternative teas from the natural herbs that were in the environment where they lived. By the way, that act of doing that was a violation of the king's orders. It was actually an act of treason. And yet they did it. And they led a boycott that in the end of the day, the boycott had more damage to the British than the actual war. They crippled the British Empire because they reduced the amount of purchases that the British were able to pass off on the colonists by 50% thanks to a group of women that stood up. And they put their life on the line. Today, we talk about a boycott with Target. And I even, you know, I listen to these pieces and people are like, well, I still went to Target and I understand. You know, I understand it's a bad place and I promise I won't go again. Target did this, what they're doing now, they opened the door for this eight years ago, something like that, when they created transgender bathrooms. That boycott lasted about three or four months and then people gave up and went, ah, I'll go back to Target. It's okay. What's wrong with us? Is, is it the fact that we're afraid to let go of the convenience and the branding? And I played a piece earlier today on Bended Knee where a guy's talking about what's happening right now, why all this is occurring. And his discussion is very solid. He's talking about the financial structure and how this ESG score, which is environmental, social, and governance, that score is being based on the fact of how people promote certain agendas. And these agendas right now on the top of that list are the agendas of LGBTQAI+, selling like at Kohl's, Kohl's store today, they announced that they were selling three-month-old three toddler transgender clothing. Everything's with the rainbow, by the way. Stealing God's rainbow and absolutely destroying God's rainbow. Trying, there is. They're not going to ever destroy God's rainbow, but trying to. Trying to abscond and corrupt the image of God's rainbow in the, for the use by Baphomet-type worship. But he goes through the whole issue, and what he leads to is the fact that ultimately how dangerous this is really for America because they've in his laydown of this, he's putting out the picture that this is basically a, a, a Kobayashi Maru scenario, which is a no-win scenario, meaning that, and that's from Star Trek, by the way. And so what they're saying is that on one hand, we're boycotting because we don't like it, but on the other hand, what we're doing is we're helping them destroy the middle class because the people that are being victimized by the boycott are those that are working for these stores. Well, the perspective's all wrong, and, and I'll tell you why. Because he goes on to say that you know one of the things that they're doing is reducing the influence of America. What he's saying is we're reducing the brand influence of America. We're not a country built on brands. We're a country built on a patriotism that's based on a righteousness rooted in our documents. Our soldiers that died overseas did not die for Target. That may have been a motive for those creating the war. That may have been a consequence of destroying an enemy, but that's not why the soldiers on the ground, I guarantee you. And they didn't do it because of politics. They did it because of loyalty to a belief in the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. That's what allowed them to step in and say, I believe in these these ideals. I believe in the belief of what this nation is about. 
They're greater than me. And I will put my life down for my brother next to me. And, my, and I will do so even with respect to those back home. There is a absolute true belief, whether you agree with it or not, I don't care. But it is a true belief. The soldiers felt very consciously that what they were doing overseas was preventing the war from coming here to the United States. The concept of internal betrayal is relatively new, by the way. For most of us, to really come to grips with the fact that our nation has been betraying the, the public for a long time. We've seen it. We've, we've tried to ignore it. We've tried to deny it. Most everybody. And you can be one of those and say, I knew this back in the 70s. Good for you. Give yourself a brownie point. But you failed because no one else believed you then. The fact of the matter is that as a collective whole, as Americans, we've woken up to the reality that our government is an absolute despotic government. They are tyrannical. They have betrayed us. They're continuing to betray us, and they don't care. That's one of the reasons, by the way, they so despise President Trump. I don't know where Trump is on what side or the other, but I will tell you one of the reasons they hate him so much is because he is such a disruptor that he has shaken their control so severely that they'll never get it back. And whether or not Trump comes back to office or not, that's, that's not even the topic. And whether you like Trump or hate Trump is irrelevant because he literally was chopping down the tree. And he chopped it so severely and chopped the bush back so heavily that they can no longer keep control of the people because the people are popping up going, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't trust you. And they've lost that control. They hate Trump for doing that, whatever his motive. And we are, have the opportunity now to take this fight to them. It's happening in pieces. It's happening more than it has in the past. But people are still apprehensive and timid. They're still hesitant to step into this fight. I think there's this, another level of conditioning that's happened here very effectively. And the conditioning works something like this. If you look at it over the last 30 or 40 years, even longer, you'll see it. What we call the left has been conditioned to hate guns, but love legal and informational warfare, even political. That's how they see change in action. They've, they have seen the way to change this nation through legal, political, and educational action, but they hate guns. The right, what we call the right, has been trained that the only way, the only thing worth fighting for in the end of the day of preserving more than anything else is your Second Amendment right, and there's a whole gap that occurs that the right just doesn't understand at all how to literally fight informationally. They're getting better at it, but they still don't get it to the level they need to because everything switches from zero to got to pull the trigger. Now, if you can, I've been saying this over and over about the authorities given to us by God, and it's the same issue. If you're going to be good at information warfare, you have to be disciplined and trained in it. You have to study it. If you're going to be good at fighting with a gun, you have to train with it. If you're going to be good with spiritual warfare, you have to discipline and train with it. Well, I give A plus to what America's conservative right for training with, with guns. They do great. They're fantastic. I don't know that I can give more than about a D for training and information warfare. And I probably would give closer to a D minus and even an F for training in spiritual warfare. And yet the left will get an A plus for information warfare. And we're in an informational warfare space. But they've done this amazingly well because they've created an overlap. If we could pull the two sides together to understand we have a common enemy, that's a fight. Trust me, that's not an easy one. And I'm not being naive. But look at the overlap then. Because then you have the mighty warrior. You have warriors that are really good at information. You only have warriors that are really good with the swords of steel. And we can learn from each other. But the distrust is massive. And it's really agitated by a handful of people. Because when you sit down and you talk to people right now, too many people are just unaware. And the one thing most, too many people, I'll say most, but too many people don't have in them is a fire and the passion of the authorities of heaven. Now, that goes right to the church. The church has been miserable in this period of time, passing us off as, you know, peace at any cost. They're training in a whole cadre of people to give up. 
to comply because it's better to comply. They don't want to have the cost of war. They don't believe in the cost of war. We are said to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Think about that for a minute. Blessed are the peacemakers. What does that mean? Does that mean we're sitting and waiting for Jesus to come? Does it mean that we're sitting in a pew praying and that's all we do? That means we're creating peace. What's the outcome of war? Ultimately, it should be peace. And that's the whole point here is we are facing an enemy that's ruthless. This enemy has given a shot to 60% or so of the public. We have seen it try to eradicate a global population with an injection that's causing radical problems, but it's also doing something else. And while I can tell you clearly that this was shown to me by God, there is no question in my mind what I'm to say to you is absolutely true based on all the research I've done in the last three years. This shot isn't just a shot to destroy the body that God gave us, this or to transition us to transhumanism. There's a darker part to the transhumanism that nobody is looking at. It's possession or influence of demonic, one of the two. Because the shot opens the portals, the gates, and it's a combination of the graphene oxide. It's the combination of the hydrogel. It's the combination of frequencies of 5G. They're opening the portal gates for demonic to enter or influence many people. If you look at this this transgender attack, it's truly demonic because it's all about Baphomet. It's about a gender plural, a hermaphrodite or whatever they call that, one with two genders. It's right there. That's, that's Baphomet. That's Satan's play. And they're creating this gender fluidity within our culture for a couple of reasons. Because one, it's a mockery of God and a destruction of the purity and the perfection in which God created us in this world to where we begin to question God himself. And then we have this other side of it, which is it's set up for the next level of this, which is transhumanism, which is a hybrid connection between digital and biological. Well, by definition, digital has no gender. So they're setting up the transition right before us. And they're prepping the ground for something very big. This isn't going to be over with Trump coming to office or some great military action that's going to solve everything. This is a much bigger thing in play. And whether or not this is actually revelation or whether this is something else, I don't know, nor do I question, because all I'm looking at is facts and taking the wisdom of Scripture. And that may chaff some people, and I'm just going to say too bad, because I'm listening truly to what God said, as I already stated. Only God will know the time and the place, or time and the hour. So we look at what's happening. We take the wisdom the Scripture gives us, and the more that we read through the Scripture, the more it opens our eyes. And when we go back to the garden, which is phenomenal, between Peter and Jesus, the more that I go over that, that God leads me to that moment, and he leads me over and over in my prayers, and I look at this, and I look for the wisdom and listen to the wisdom God gives It's a profound moment of exactly where we are. We are so compelled to pull the sword of steel and use it in the mightiness of war. And yet, we are given the authorities by Jesus himself to raise the sword of the Spirit and use it mightier than the sword of steel. We need both. We don't get away with one or the other, and I think that's one of the great lessons in the garden. As Peter draws the sword, cuts off the ear, I've told this story so many times, but it's so important to grasp this, and cuts off the ear, he stays the attack against Jesus. And he uses the sword of steel masterfully because he doesn't cut the shoulder and he doesn't kill the individual. You want to call that luck? Go right ahead. I call that sword mastery because I know I've studied the sword enough to know that is not something that just accidentally happens. But Jesus shows him the greater force heals the ear, and in the process, leaves a seed that will not stop growing within the person whose ear is healed. He will never see his world the same way. And then draws the enemy in. And I'm going coming back to this, so remember what I just said. Draws the enemy in so that they think with their arrogance and pride that they can kill the Savior of God. I'm sorry, the Son of God, the Savior of man. And in so doing, he walks in to their lair. 
He lets them believe in victory. And right to the point, all the way to the end, they even glorify pinning him on the cross. They celebrate the destruction of the Son of God, not realizing that what they have done is they have now lost because Jesus had victory through his blood and the contract was fulfilled and all of humanity was set free. So here we are. And the problem is that in this modern day, people look around and go, oh, I accept Jesus and I'm free. That is not it at all. We have to bring about, I'll use the term manifest, but we have to bring about that victory into the earth by the way we use our authorities given to us by Christ. That's our mission. We have to realize the victory in which he gave us. So now, relax your mind and let me paint you a picture. I want you to think about everything we're seeing right now in our world. There is demons everywhere. These aren't just people, lunatic pedophiles. These are demonically possessed people. We're seeing them right before us. We're told this is not a war between flesh and blood, that this is a war of principalities. This is what we're looking at. We're looking at a demonic possession and control of people. Look around the world. We're looking at a border that's open. We're looking at AI that's rushing in. We're talking about everything they're trying to do in the world. They're trying to hyper-concentrate right here. If I was a strategist of this time, wanting to destroy Satan's plans, I would know something. I would nurture something. I would feed their pride. I would feed their arrogance. I would feed their ego. I would draw them in like flies and bees to honey. I would draw them in with the arrogance and boldness, and I would trust as God trusts Job in my people. I would know that Satan would think that the God's people would be weak. He would never remember the lesson of Job because he believes that it's, he, can out, he can outmaneuver it. He would think that Job was a one-off. And as I drew my people in, to me, Satan would be drawing his people in to him. And I would know through that that my people would begin to dig more deeply into the words and the, and the authorities that were given to them by the Son of God. Because at the right moment then, as the hearts were turned to open up to Father God, as the eyes were now put truly on God, as a nation's face turned to him and bowed to him in the most critical of moments, I would unleash everything heaven has. And everything in one swoop would be so dramatic, so shaking, two things would happen. The demonic would be destroyed. People would be freed at the same time, and then the reality of the supernatural God, the God of miracles, would be so present that nearly everyone would fall to their knees in praise of heaven. See, we're not at a bad time, only if you want to believe it. We're at a great time. This is a fantastic time, a day to celebrate, a day to honor those and Reflect on those that gave their lives. And a day now, as we end this day and head in forward towards this fight, to celebrate the glory and the power which God gave us. As a reminder of the sacrifices made to get us here. As a reminder of the responsibility and duty we have to fulfill the covenant that they made in blood. And now to realize the victory that Jesus gave us in this world by being relentless seeking and training and pursuing the authorities which God gave us to come together in the body of Christ, to be mighty before this evil and knowing that we are walking with the Father. We are walking with the one God, the God of hosts. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High. That is who we are. That is where we are. And now it's a choice. Whom will you serve? Patriots, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time and this day. We thank you for this hour of reflection and wisdom. 
We thank you for the simple reality that you waste nothing, that all things that you use are in perfection in a concert that we often can't see, but that we must trust. Father, we thank you for all the authorities given, for the sacrifices made. We are humbled, Jesus, by by the sacrifices made for our freedom. And for those that will agree, for those that now sit in this prayer and will agree, we agree to fulfill the covenant, to continue to bring the victory into this earth and into this world, regardless of the cost to our physical, because we understand that we've already been given life. So, Father, we pray for the rising up of the mighty warriors, the true sons and daughters of the Most High, to step into that world, to declare and proclaim our authorities as given to us by our Savior, to seek your face, Father, to place ourselves humbly before the throne, to now step into this world and confront this enemy, to occupy, to expand, and to subdue. Father, we ask for your blessing. We proclaim the word, send me. And we step into this realm, into this place, into the same place as the captain of the Lord of Hosts army. We we proclaim every step and every place, that of kingdom and holy ground, as we take back each and every space of this earth in the name of you, Father. with the mightiness of the sword of the Spirit, the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, the covenant in blood given to us by our Savior, and the blessings by you yourself, Father. We declare these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is going to be an amazing and epic time in which we live. If you so choose to walk the path. It's time to choose, patriots, the path of the warrior or the path of the frail. It's easy. Kingdom and the kingdom of heaven is not an egalitarian place and God is calling his warriors to the line. Choose whom you shall serve on this day. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel Let me get back in